It, there are value add components and almost always we want to be value add. That could just differ on if that's, do I need to give a lot of money to update the property or is the current manager who's managing it just simply charging only 80% of what they could charge? And so that's still considered value add. So that is a very heavy um, lean for our for our business. I can tell you recently with the uh, interest rate hikes and all that stuff, we've actually been able to find very good deals where we can assume loans that maybe like something built a year ago and we can assume a loan at 3.2%, whereas now it'd be 5.5%. And so we can raise rents there, we can make it work, but we're, we build enough traction where we can still make that brand new property work. Welcome to Real Radio episode 50. What, what? With Chris Pomelo. Hey. You're listening to Real Radio. The nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out realradio.com. So let's talk about bigger deals. So you got into a partnerships, multiple partnerships, yeah. and you ended up buying stuff that's out of state. You grew up in uh, Southwest Iowa, close to Omaha, Nebraska, bought a lot of deals around here before you ended up branching out into other markets. Is that fair to say? Yes. What was your catalyst for getting started in another market and where was it? Lack of deals. 100%. So it was like, we're waiting for something to pop and like, we can't find something that makes sense. That's a good multifamily. And by the way, you're, you're mostly apartments, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, what was the first deal and where was it? Mm, Out of market. 52 unit. It was 52 units just north of Kansas City. Okay. Yep. And, and the, the only reason I bought it is because it was brought to me in, in, in like, I'm in Omaha. Uh, we, we currently own 2,400 units. I love to own 2,400 units in Omaha. But I don't have that many opportunities. I have a business plan that works, but I don't have enough properties to buy. So when someone brought me a 52 unit in Kansas City, I said, let's let's see if we can make this work. Who brought it to you? And I don't mean like the person specifically, unless you want to give a shout out to them, uh, unless they're on your blacklist now. Uh, they're not. But what was their role? Were they a broker in that area and they had a listing? Or was it they knew of a listing that someone else had? Like how did that whole conversation even start? Did they yeah. reach out to you? Did you, were you looking in other markets on, you know, Crexy or LoopNet or? At that time, the reason I had, I kept teaching myself, kept teaching myself, I would just podcast, podcast, YouTube, podcast. And I had heard somebody on a podcast who uh, was speaking about their success. And so I reached out to them and I said, Hey, look, I'm interested. And I finally got a call with them and they couldn't buy it at that time. And so they sent to me, his name's Logan Freeman. He's in Kansas city. He's actually a real estate agent. And he actually syndicates now. Does it Logan travel around in a, in a, in a van with a cat? That's Logan fast. Oh, yeah. sorry. Wrong Logan. Which kudos to him. He's a really fun life too. A much <laughs> yeah, no than kidding. I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he brought me a deal because at that time it wasn't a part of his uh, uh, buy he, box. It, well, it wasn't necessarily where he was. He was an agent at that time, knowing a little, knowing a lot about syndications. And so he finally, uh, he, I reached out. I said I'm excited. He said, "Oh, you seem legit." And he brought me a deal in, in Northern Kansas City. Okay, so 52 units, and yep. then did you end up? 
syndicating that yep. or did you have enough? So, okay, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. So let's say you get a, a property that is a good deal. You underwrite it and you're, you said, this is worth buying and you don't have the money to fully fund it yourself. So yep. you're out of the lone wolf, like little, you know, comfort zone and you need to raise money. What do you do? Well, I'm glad you said that because I was never out. The only, I was never out of the lone wolf. My, my first property was with my dad. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned quickly that I can't do everything myself. And, and I feel like I've always known that, but then when you get into larger and larger properties, you, you can't do it. And that first deal it was not only it wasn't in Omaha, so I had to introduce myself and interview a property manager, but I also had to raise a million dollars, and it was a lot for me. It was a lot for me and Colin. Colin and I were, were partners at that time, uh, but it was a lot. It was there's a lot to learn. Now the metrics made sense, the numbers made sense, the project has been successful, but at the time it was a lot to swallow because it was like twenty units, twenty units, thirty units, fifty two, and. Um, it was yeah. just the ability to let go and trust others. So what does the conversation look like with a syndication investor at this point? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's different than talking to a family member. It I mean, is. I mean, so you got a new syndication investor. Maybe let's say they have a million dollars, but they haven't invested into real estate yet. And I'm assuming that you've had lots of those conversations. Yeah. So what does that conversation look like? How do you, how do you, how do you, how does that look? Like, how, what do you, what do you tell them about your company, yourself, and what to expect? It's it's not as hard of a transition as you'd think because I'm already borrowing money from people and paying them interest. So that first family member that gave me some money, and by the way, during the jump to 52 units, I already had another family member give uh, loan me money, who I actually instead of annually paying them, I was paying them monthly interest on properties. And so it wasn't a hard conversation because there's really not that much of a difference. It is a property. You can put this much into it. You can raise the rents this much. And by the way, now that you own the property investor, uh, you'll make this much, you'll make this much. It's still just straight numbers. The only difference was instead of them loaning me the money, they now owned the property at whatever percentage they came in at. And I'm not going to say it was easy. It probably helped me for five or six years that I had that experience, but that is why I was able to flip that quickly or at least gain that traction as quickly as possible. When Okay, so when did you do your first full syndication? Was that on the 52 unit yeah. outside of Kansas City? Yeah. So were you kind of like, WTF, are we going to do? Like we have to – what it, what does it look like when you have to raise a million dollars or more than that? Yeah, and a little more you, phone calls. You're yeah, like you're not calling your dad or your sister, or your uncle or whatever, and like you have to reach out. Oh, I call of them. Your... I call others too. <laughs> I was calling everybody. Uh, it's just calling more people. And the thing is, is that it did help me the experience, but it's just show them the numbers, and they're excited too to be owners of real yeah. estate. So now they're making money, and it's the same Burr method. And people didn't believe us at first. They said, "Look, you put in a hundred thousand dollars, you receive six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent throughout that stabilization period, meaning the time you're raising the value of the property and doing all those things, and then we'll refinance, and you'll continue to make cash flow." They believed us, of course. That's why they invested, but it sounded very special. So there's no question that Colin and I, on that first indication, the people we were calling was not some rando in Washington. It was a lot of family members and friends and just people who knew we were a part of the scene, if you will, but that trust us a little more than who we're calling now, which is random people. How many people are investing with you right now? 
Individual investors, uh, six, seven hundred. Wow. And then, I mean, what do you think the main reason people invest with you is? Track track record. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I never like certain people in the podcast space coming on and saying, just buy your first podcast, buy your first apartment of 700 units on day one. It's so easy. Um, it took some track record stuff. Now, you could say, well, you, Chris still do that, but just grab someone who can raise money for you. The problem is that person will have problems raising money for you if you've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So that track record helped. There's no question. And so first it was family and friends. Then it was second cousins and friends and family. Then it was a couple big check writers. Then it was just more and more and more and more. I mean, I mean, what? how big is the fund now? Can we ask that question? So there's a distinction between a fund and uh, special purpose vehicles, basically meaning that every time you go out and raise money, are you raising money for that deal? Or are you raising money saying, hey, investor, for all we, the deals. we know what we're doing. Not only not only all the deals that exist now, but maybe all the deals we may purchase over the next 12 months. So so there's two – I mean, it's two separate things. Yes. So it's per property or everything. Correct. Okay. Wow. Yep. Now, we lucked out in that we – traction, 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 experience, experience, experience. And now the last four syndications we've done – well, outside of other ones, but uh, – are portfolios. So they're, they're, they're considered SPVs, special purpose vehicles, meaning that if you invest, you're investing in these five deals. Uh, but it's still not considered a fund where it's like, I'll give you my money. And then if you buy something in 11 months, that's what my money's for. It's, it's not there yet. We're actually opening a fund very soon here on both our real estate as well as the hard money business that I'm a part of with Owen. It, those are funds in which people can invest and trust the uh, operator to make money moving forward. Just so much going on there. I mean, there you, I mean, you got. I mean, you got multiple facets going on. You got you got the hard money, but they're synergistic, right? Yeah, so, it, it's all one thing, right? It's not that it's all one thing. They're separate entities. So not to be like all legally, but like it, it's all yeah. LLC, LLC. Like they're separate. It's all real estate, but it's synergistic. In in a synergistic, it's all real estate. But yes. you have all these different. You have you can invest in me. You can invest in. Uh, it's not Park Ave Capital. But what is it now? Uh, Eleven Wealth. So now it's Eleven Wealth. Zoom in. Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can invest in level wealth now, right. or you can invest into individual properties, or you can invest into something like your hard money lending. Is that correct? All of those things, correct. And yeah. is there other things that you're doing besides that? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm doing a lot of things, but uh, luckily they're all synergistic. But yeah, I mean, you, you can choose to invest in a single property. You can invest in a fund. You can invest in hard money. Um, we have a construction company. We have a property management company, but the property management company is not for profit. The property management company is just here to help us manage the over 600 units we already own in Omaha. So it's more like, maybe I'm a control freak here, but it's more like now that we own this many things, would you rather control it or would you just hire out? And I, you know, I, I use a pie example of sharing the pie. There's nothing wrong with sharing the pie, but if you have the ability to control as many pieces of the pie as possible with different lanes, that's what we've ended up doing. And when when you meet with a new investor, are they expecting payouts in the first quarter, or are they? That's an awesome or, question. Or, or is this like a long long term, or is it by is it multiple ways of looking at it? Well, actually, let's ask this, Ted. Okay. What what are the frequently asked questions that investors in either Leavenworth, yeah. your multifamily syndication business, like? 
liquid lending, if you're raising a fund, what, what are the most commonly asked questions that investors have and what like concerns can you dispel? Yeah. So when it comes to hard money lending, um, you know, that's kind of a, a different beast, which I, I know you've already discussed before, but I have no problem d- discussing that. Our investors like that because you're not allowed to say guarantee anywhere because there's no guarantee in life. But the benefit of that arrangement is that if you invest in our hard money lending company, you receive a percentage every month. You just know you're going to receive that period. Um, there are great benefits of that because you're receiving that every single month. And you don't. it doesn't even matter how the business does. You're going to receive that money, period. That's a good comfort for a lot of people, especially some shorter term people. Being in like 2500 bucks a month for me for the last four months, just so you know. Mm. <laughs> there you go. And by the way, I myself have uh, – I've had to explain this. It's hilarious. I've had to explain this to banks sometimes because banks are a little more – Inquisitive. Uh, inquisitive, but actually they don't understand the process. We, we lucked out recently. We found one that understands the process. But like I myself have borrowed from that hard money lending company because if you're – they are only our only customers are real estate investors. No one's no one's using the hard money company that I'm a part of is Liquid Lending Solutions. Uh, Owen's a part as well. No one's coming to us for a 30-year mortgage because that would not make sense that the percentage we're charging. But if you're flipping a house in 64 days, it's hard to even get a bank loan in 64 days. So if you know what you're doing, that's the purpose of that hard money. I totally agree with that. I've been spending 90 days trying to get out my hard money loan. <laughs> but my taxes aren't done yet. <laughs> so it's okay. It's beneficial. It is. Um, so that's the purpose there, and that's why it's beneficial for some investors. There are other investors that we have who are like, look, that sounds amazing, but we also like the opportunity to own real estate as well. And so they also invest real estate. In fact, a lot of our investors are in both. They're like, wow, uh, I wouldn't mind the guarantee, not the guaranteed, but you know what I'm saying? The action, it's the consistent payment monthly, the the same amount. The legally written up consistent every month payment. We like that, but we also like the slight risk, but the, the promise that real estate ownership allows. And so they do that. Wow. It's, it's, it's beneficial. I, uh, so let's peel back the layers a little bit of a syndication model. So typically, would it be fair to say that the model is if you're sponsoring a deal, which means, would you mind explaining that? So yeah. a sponsor of a, a real estate syndication does what? Yeah, they call them the sponsor. They'll call them the general partnership. But it's basically the the reason it's called a syndication and the reason it's actually guided by the Security and Exchange Commission. So it's actually, you know, the investor's protected because we have to fi- – we as the sponsors or the general partners, the people running it, have to file all these things with the government, the Securities and Exchange Commission, to protect the investor. And here's why. If you put your money in and you're active and you're going there and swinging a hammer or excuse me, you're managing a property, you're doing whatever, you're considered active, right? So you're an active investor. So if something happens with your investment, it's your fault, you're also active. Well, obviously, all of our investors now are passive. They're saying, here's my money, I trust you, just pay me and I'll talk to you later. And because they're considered passive, we have to register those investments with the Security Exchange Commission. And so as a sponsor or a general partner, I'm the only active member in the deal. So it's 30 of us, or literally some deals, 107 
uh, people in the deal, but there are only 103 of them. I'm sorry, 103 of them are passive. There are only four of them that are active. Weekly phone calls, flying there, taking care of the property, making sure it works. And the 103 people that gave you their money, they're trusting you with their money. And that's the difference on the syndication and just like a joint venture. Now, uh, Owen likes to make fun of me for this, but I will preface this with I am not your SEC attorney or your attorney at all. So you have 103 people in the deal. I mean, can you tell me on on average in your company what the average investment is into your in, into your hmm. group? No, we have those metrics. I think the average is right now before next week. Uh, it'll be around eighty seven thousand. Wow. Okay. So eighty seven thousand that an individual investor contributes to a fund yeah. that is then pledged toward real estate, and they're now a limited partner and retain ownership. Explain how that maybe works. So if if somebody out there that's listening to this says, "I have what's the what's the minimum number you guys would consider? Is it deal by deal, or is it like if I have fifty grand, if I have a hundred grand, if I have ten? Like, is there a cutoff? If it's a syndication, it actually explicitly states in the documents our minimum is, and it says it. Almost always our minimum is 50000 Okay. So 50000 bucks. If somebody out there, uh, Grandma Smith, is listening to this and, and she says, I would like to put my money to work. And I like yeah. this Chris Palmer Lau uh, person. That's how she'd say it. And <laughs> how, can I, how can I contribute my money toward this? So basically, they reach out to you and, and you say, I, I will take your money. And in return for that, I'm going to buy a property that we feel is is value add your hook is that typically the or do you do you also buy stabilized properties um maybe explore that for a second uh yeah i mean it, it's recently it's transitioned into a tad bit more stabilized still heavy value add okay because we have built the relationships where we can find some deals where you know traditionally like like ted used to like ted said earlier i found a value add deal where it was down to the studs it's not easy to find a 300 unit apartment complexes down to the studs. In fact, if it is, it's probably in an area where you don't want to right. invest anyway. But uh, it, there are value add components, and almost always we want to be value add. That could just differ on if that's do I need to give a lot of money to update the property, or is the current manager who's managing it just simply charging only 80% of what they could charge? And so that's still considered value add. So that is a very heavy. Um, lean for our for our business. I can tell you recently with the uh, interest rate hikes and all that stuff, we've actually been able to find very good deals where we can assume loans that maybe like something built a year ago, and we can assume a loan at three point two percent, whereas now it'd be five point five percent. And so we can raise rents there, we can make it work, but we're we build enough traction where we can still make that brand new property work. So that's how you guys have transitioned with the rates going up. Instead of yes. uh, trying to look for different type of deals, you guys have looked for deals that you can assume other bank loans. It's a combination of both. Okay. Because we don't want to stop giving our investors, trust me, like if you're, if you keep returning people's money and they're like, holy cow, you gave me all my money back, but I still own the property. People keep bugging you. When's the next one? When's yeah, the next when's one? The next when's one? the next one? It's like heroin. It is. It really is. But to be honest, I there's a there's a good, uh, I mean, it is. And or meth, have, whatever. No, I mean, you have, a, you have a lot of experience with heroin and meth. So it, it, it's tough, but it's a good balance of what's a, what's available. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about the transition? I mean, let's get into the modern day market. Yeah. Rates are going up quite a bit and yeah. obviously your business model has been based on low rates you've been refinancing out taking advantage of the low rates 
how does this future look for you? What, do, what are you personally expecting to happen over the over the next you know six months? We just had a three quarter point raise this week. We we're launching the podcast the same day that this is coming out that this is recording right now. Yeah. So tell tell us where you are with rates and what you expect to see and how how you guys will transition the, your business. You have to be getting this question all the time, right? All of the time. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is that if you were to get on YouTube, Twitter, like if you were to get on Google and look up experts' opinions about what's going to happen, it actually differs, which is crazy because all of us can have this good conversation. It's completely all, all, different. All of us have great experience, but there are some big wigs in the, the U.S. and the overall market that have differing opinions, which is kind of interesting. So to protect ourselves and protect our investors, what we've done is typically move our hold time uh, f- uh, f- further to the right, meaning when the market was awesome in 2019, 2020, and you could buy a uh, $3 million property and you could fix it up and all of a sudden it was worth $5 million and that all happened in two years – now we're saying that may take five or six. But in the same um, – you the prices were inflated at that time because the rates were so low. But would you – are you starting to see that the, the prices of these properties are dropping? So you can kind of offset that? Um, okay. First, with the comment that prices are inflated, I agree. You know, every seller wants to make their property work. I get that. So we've never really necessarily cared about the value of the property. Now, obviously, the value of the property matters. Don't get me wrong. What we've cared about is cash flow. And the reason that benefited us, if, if you say, I'm going to buy this property and it's going to cash flow X, and I'm also going to hold it for a very long time, you're a lot less worried about the market economics of what happens in two and a half years because your plan isn't to flip an apartment in two and a half years. So if you tell an investor, my goal is to refinance this property in two or four years, we suggest you are okay with your money being locked up for five years. Then when you refinance it in three years, they're super happy. But if you hold it for five years and refinance, they're not upset because they knew starting that they had to hold their money in that long. Would you say that the market has been receptive to that response in that like maybe say a year ago or you know, a year and a half ago, people were like, yeah. when am I getting my money back? And then also how long am I going to be in the deal? Yeah. And now they're like, Okay, yeah, I get it. It's gone from three years to five years or seven years or whatever. Have they been very they're paying so they're paying attention also. They're so saying much. Uh, we we get what you're doing. So I think the the common objection to being, you know, the syndication model would say, What are you gonna do when interest rates rise? Huh? I get yeah, that question gotcha. all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean that's the gotcha. Like because yeah. I mean, let's face it, we've you know, probably been through this where there's a lot of syndication fly by night, uh, people on YouTube and whatever. Uh, not that we're on YouTube, but um, we, we, Lord of mercy. <laughs> we, we, uh, so, but I mean, that's the thing. It's like, so actually, I'm going to tie this back to something. So, syndicating, you're doing a heavy lift and you're getting generally, generally 30%. For a general partnership share, is that true? Yeah, twenty to thirty percent. Yeah, twenty to thirty. Okay. Anything more than that? Ever? No. no. Okay. So twenty to thirty percent uh, general partnership share as a sponsor, meaning you're finding the deal, you're lining it up, you're getting it financed, and is that does that mean you're guaranteeing it as like the investor? So you're signing on the loan. And the limited partners aren't? Or how does that all work with the loans? Yeah, I mean, you you use the word guarantee. Uh, To the investor, you can't guarantee anything. To the bank, it's my name on the loan. 
and I'm guaranteeing the loan, yeah. which is a benefit for the limited partner who said, here's my $100,000. I want to make a bunch of money, and I have no risk in the deal. I guess their risk is sincerely I could just lose their 100000 but that would mean that their actual property would have to go down in value. And it, I mean, this never happened to us, but it could sincerely, I mean, can't promise anything, but it never really happens. So I looked at your LinkedIn profile this morning, and it looked like uh, you're really, really out of date. Not just your profile picture, but uh, also the like description <laughs> of your what a D comment yeah, well, of your. There it is. Call me out. Yeah. But no, seriously. So it looks like you've been on at least twenty five podcasts. Do you have any idea how many you actually have been on? Because I'm assuming you haven't updated in a long time. I don't know. What's forty, your, what, fifty. I don't know. What's your number count? Hmm, no, at least forty or fifty. <laughs> I, no, I don't know the answer to that. But numbers don't matter, Ted. It's the quality, not quantity. <laughs> Uh, 40 or 30, 40, 50. Okay. I want to ask this because I think this is, uh, a, this is an overlooked aspect of being in a scalable business where you have put yourself out there on a ton of different, uh, social media platforms and podcasts and have been interviewed and invested a lot of time in those. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a worthwhile exercise to go through if you're looking at growing your business exponentially? That's a good question. It's certainly worth your time. Um, yeah. What has been a return because of your how much you're putting yourself out there? Uh, I, I would equate being a guest on a podcast to being the same as maybe going to a real estate meetup to be the same as maybe reach out to people on LinkedIn where I haven't updated my I, – I would have to venture to say that it's probably tenfold – it has certainly helped. Uh, I think it, it benefits us because I don't think I would get invited to a podcast unless I had shown some type of traction or experience. But there's no question I have gotten a lot of calls or people have reached out to me, and we have investors from podcasts that I've been a part of. Because, I mean, this podcast specifically, I and mean, we're trying to grow it, but right now we're probably about 500 downloads a week. Awesome. So you are right now in 500 people's ears consistently that might be interested in investing you've been on bigger podcasts that have probably not, not bigger pockets podcasts but yeah bigger, yeah, bigger yeah, podcasts. Made it that, there, that it status there it is but uh but but you're probably reaching thousands of people on on different podcasts and you're, you're reaching thousands of investors i mean how many of your investors have come because of your podcast i don't know the number oxygen you okay i don't know the number uh but more than you would think um, I, I feel as though when people like Owen who already know me are looking at LinkedIn the morning before he talks to me, uh, I would imagine someone who heard me on a past podcast may looked at LinkedIn and yet again. And I, I, I can tell you that I have had many people reach out or jump onto my Calendly, which is a calendar app, and talk to me about wanting to invest. Well, I tell you what, I've listened to three of your podcasts just this morning at the gym. Really, and one thing uh, I did like notice. <laughs> I did, one thing I did notice that you guys have both been on one specific podcast together was the Abundance Podcast. Okay, and, <laughs> all right. <laughs> if you guys have not heard, I don't know what kind of ratings the Abundance Podcast gets, but well, better than ours. <laughs> So maybe maybe you should. Uh, it's, it's about longevity, and uh, maybe I need to create the accent that guy has yeah. because if you listen up, I guess I was laughing my butt off. There's different flavors and different environments. Do you know what podcast, podcast I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, you've been on so many. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, do. I don't. Sometimes when you have that many, you don't remember the one. Yeah. So I didn't the know one. 
Uh, I, I certainly do remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's different podcasts. Like, you know what's fun? I was embarrassed when actually I shared that podcast on our RIA page. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's different uh, environments. I mean, there, there have been some where I had to be very cordial. There have been some where I think that every seventh word was an F-bomb. So I, I think it just kind of depends on the, the flavor of, of that time. So what do you guys say? I mean, I'm asking both of you guys. Would you say podcasting is kind of like dating? I mean, every, every flavor is a little different? I think that each host is a little different. And the success and the feeling of the podcast is driven by the host, which is why it's been so awesome to be in the room with you guys because yeah. you guys are pretty easy to talk it's to. It's all about the feeling. It's all about how it feels. It's all, I've been saying that for so long. I mean, we, we create so many good feels over here, Owen. So, Chris, <laughs> what tips or tricks would you say you have to let uh, people kind of like look behind the curtain here and say, how can I get on it? my first podcast? Is there anything you did to reach out to like podcast hosts or was it organic where you got on one and then it led to another and another through referrals? It, it was organic. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not what was the first one you were on? Oh, man. I don't necessarily remember. Oh, um, gosh, what was it? His name, you don't remember the first one? <sighs> I promise he was important good. to me. Uh, his name's Whitney Sewell. Oh, Whitney, that I mean, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you do you know? Are you serious? No, I'm dead serious. Okay. I, I I get Whitney Sewell, man. Yeah, he's he's good stuff. Um, I was on his podcast, and that was that was with the help, by the way, of uh, somebody named Trevor McGregor, who was actually a coach of mine. Not necessarily a real estate coach, although he knows a lot about real estate. He was more of like a professional business life coach. He's awesome. Um, he coached Joe Fairless, who owns the Best Real Estate Advice Podcast. Which you were on also. Which I was on. Uh, but For 20 minutes. They're, those are oddly short. Not, yeah. not criticizing. I mean, we have a two-hour podcast. We're kind of like the uh, 10X. Yeah, it, it, we're it, the 10X rule for Joe Fairless. It depends on who's hosting, but you're right. But long story, that's how I got on my first one. It just kind of unfolded from there. I mean... I would suggest trying to reach out if you want to make it work for you, if you want to use that platform to to find people and tell them what you're doing, just like you'd use a billboard or a commercial or social media. or I mean, if you have something to offer, use that. Luckily for me, it worked out organically, but I've never tried to get on anybody's podcast, which is why it took me so long to get on this one. <laughs> we actually saved you. Yeah, it was a sandbag effort. Slowly playing yeah. it. I mean, it, we okay, so obviously we're broadcasting today, and – we literally have the next 12 weeks booked out. That's awesome. So, and you probably know every single name on the list. <laughs> were, were you kind of like, be honest, I mean, because, like, you know, we all know each other. Were you kind of like, uh, that's great. You had my BFF uh, business partner on, Colin, on episode 10. We didn't, you didn't get asked for well, with Colin, 30 episodes with later. Colin, I'm not like, surprised because Colin runs the meetup and it's so funny because sometimes people are like, Colin does all this and they didn't even know I exist. So <laughs> the fact that I wasn't on the podcast because of Colin or be, the fact that Colin was on and I wasn't didn't necessarily, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, I know those guys. They never asked me. It's a little weird, but I wasn't gonna. I never told you that. But in the same in the same light, though, like I've heard Colin speak multiple times. Yeah. But I would you spoke at at a real estate meetup event, which hopefully we get you on a re event sometime in the near future. Yeah. And I mean, by the way, um, Owen's gonna be on the real estate. Uh, he's gonna actually be our presenter at the RIA. Awesome, September sixth. Uh oh. 
and he's going to do investing 101. Hmm. So you think you might want to attend that one? I'll be there. Really? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, so. My man. I'll be there. We appreciate that. I'll be that guy in the it crowd took, asking took, impossible questions took me for only seven days to get an acceptance out of him. By the way, seven I was days? traveling. It was difficult service. I, I didn't have data. I, I, I'm like, dude, are you gonna respond to me three days later after three days of response? And I was trying to help Owen make a lot of money last night, and he still was complaining about that. So I, it does not surprise <laughs> me that he had a, a beef with you asking him to put himself out there. I thought that we were on this like next level thing where like we at mm-hmm. least get a response in that same mm-hmm. day. And I mean, not even the same day response. Okay, real quick, let, let's <laughs> let's talk about how bad of a vacationer you are. Um, so oh, what a topic change. So the, so two weeks ago, Chris uh, decided to go to Hawaii, and where'd you go? Honolulu is that right? Uh, we went to three islands. Okay. So Honolulu is a city on Oahu. We went there for a few days. We went to Maui for a few days. And they went to the big island of Hawaii is what it's called for did about you, eight days. Did you go hang out with Brandon Turner while you were out there in Maui? I did not, no. no? Okay. I mean, he asked me to, but I said I'm too busy. Yeah, okay. yeah I understand. As you do. So he, <laughs> so Chris was there for two weeks. And so we had uh, – we so we have a, a couple businesses together and uh, <laughs> we had – What are the couple businesses, we, by the way? So uh, – Okay, so we have uh, a few properties together that we have different. Um, There's some apartments, and we have the hard money lending business. We have, yeah. yeah, we have some apartment, different apartment entities. And oh, then, we own a title company together. And, oh, and the title company, and then the hard money. Lending so much business. So you guys couldn't could remember off the top of your head. Oh, oh, that's a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds kind of douchey when you say it. But, <laughs> what a clown! <laughs> but so uh, Chris was in Hawaii for the last couple of weeks, and we had. Uh, we had some things that really needed everyone's attention that was in the ownership uh, spot, right? And so <laughs> this is this is where I'm going with this. So Chris is literally – and I want you to describe this because here's what I'm picturing. You're sneaking a phone call out on the deck of your condo or hotel building that you were staying in, right? It was a house. Yeah, Airbnb it was Airbnb house. house. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> – He's literally whispering into the phone and we're on the, we're on this phone call with all the owners and then an attorney and whatever. And we're trying to like, there's some complicated stuff we have to figure out with, with, you know, some things we have going on. I was whispering, not necessarily to hide it. Um, but I was whispering because it was in Hawaii and we're six hours behind. So I was whispering because I don't want to wake everybody up. So he's like four in the morning or whatever. And it's like (laughs) nine or 10 AM here. And he's just like, shoot me now, but he's doing it. And, and so I, I want to give, props to you for and i know i've given you a lot of crap uh, ahead of this but like you you are one of the most reliable people i've ever met in my life oh, well i appreciate you saying that yeah like you're a zero inbox guy which is a blessing and a curse would you certainly, would you agree to that certainly a curse i'm, but a same, blessing I'm, I'm well. a same guy so um chris uh we we literally not like, not like your business partner by the way it, it kind of starts no, with 5 30 a.m to 10 o'clock at night i mean we have text threads and emails and whatever. And it's kind of like, you know, we make time for the family and then shut it off when we can. And then, uh, you know, turn it back on when we have to. And it's, but I I think the goal is to build a machine or a business where that's not needed. But I mean, you know, I'm not trying to use like Elon Musk as an example, but like, 
When you're a millionaire sleeping on friends' couches, you don't have to, but if you see like an end goal. So when I'm volunteering 23 hours of my life a day, not every day, but I'm when I'm doing those weird things, my end goal is to hopefully peel it back as quickly as possible. But it actually means a lot to me that you've said that because it's a lot of stress that I've had uh, answering and being reliable and stuff. So it's really, it's nice to hear that, um, you know, if you reach out to me for something that you can trust that I'll help out. Well, I, and I don't, I don't say that idly, by the way, because I've always um, had a little bit of a, I've always had a little bit of a problem delegating and like letting things go yeah. as I'm sure you've Certainly. come, come to appreciate a little bit. And a little bit, um, <laughs> kind of appreciated it. Yeah. Okay. So you appreciate half of that. <laughs> so you're a man of your word. I know. Where you, yeah. I know where you're so I like that, man. I, uh, I know I can rely on Chris to follow through on what he says he's going to follow through. And he takes it back same day. And, and this is yeah. proven a hundred times over. Like, I mean, there's been so many hmm. times that we've had stressful or even non-stressful stuff. And he's like, Here's this, here's this, here's this. And it's like he's on in Hawaii for two I, weeks I can, with his family and he's sneaking out on the deck to like take a phone call. I like, haven't had constant I haven't had constant business with Chris since for I mean for multiple years. And I, I can verify that every single time that I needed a response or communication, it was there immediately. And I, I always appreciate it. I appreciate that. You know, this is going to fuel the fire of him never hiring anyone to do the no, <laughs> do what he's doing. No, I, like, I don't that. Well, hey, it, now this just validates it, <laughs> Shivani. Sorry. No, if my wife ever listens, to this, I'm going to say, "Can you not listen to two hours in?" Because she'd say, "Yeah, of course she answered because you weren't with the family." Yeah, uh, but but in the same aspect, though, I I know that one of your goals is to have ten thousand properties in ten years. Mm-hmm. Is that units? I'm sorry. And, and and we're you know what you're for. And yeah, you're four at, to five. Yeah. You're at twenty four hundred right yeah. now ish. Right. So you're on your way, but by the time you hit that ten thousand, you're going to have to have that support team around you, and you're going to get there. I, I, we're slowly already getting there. I know, but you. I mean, you're yeah. going to being un, unlike what he said. You're not going to have somebody hired to be that person for you. You're going to get that person before then. Hundred percent. There's there's no way to get to ten thousand without those people, and we actually already. I'm surrounding myself with people. Who I consider, I honestly consider them teammates who are phenomenal what they do, better at what they do than me. That's, who, a, that's, that's how you build a business, though. That's how you have to. You got you always have to find somebody who's better at what you do. I mean, at that yeah. specific thing. You can be that leader that takes that person and says, you are, you know, you're better at this, but you are still the 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 group leader the person that brings everybody together in a circle 100% and 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 then you find individuals that are better at individual tasks Steve Jobs uh, Steve Jobs is, he got a lot of flack I, I saw an uh, I saw an interview with him where he was on stage it was like a shareholders meeting or something I don't know and I'm not not comparing myself to Steve Jobs Owen so 3 weeks from now don't say hey guess what guys Chris said he was <laughs> you know what Chris I could honestly let's like let's skip the bs I mean between you yeah, I'm Colin and the partners that you have, there is no reason why that you guys cannot be the number one real estate group in the world. I would love that in X amount of years. I can so tell you, you that could be the Steve Jobs of real estate investing, I think much, of syndication. Much like my national record in rushing for, as a quarterback, I want to be a a world record in uh, apartments. That was a douchey comment. What I want to say is, I appreciate you saying that, but I'm, I'm but. 
we're not going to get there unless you rely on other people. And I and I actually do mean so I let me freaking <laughs> unravel the Steve Jobs freaking get comment that out. real quick. Steve Jobs. <laughs> so some some guy came on the mic. You can watch it on YouTube. Some guy came on the mic and said, "What have you done in the last two years? You just sit around and do everything, and you have eighteen people who do whatever." And then Steve, we're black turtlenecks. Exactly. And so Steve Jobs came on. He 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 took some time to to, to think about it for a while, and he it basically explained to him, "There's no way you do Apple." worldwide unless you have 18 of the biggest bad aces possible and i'm in the middle of trying to surround colin and i are and certainly owen is on a business we're trying to surround ourselves with the best people to do the best things they can because i'm not only am i not the best at it but the, the there's a ceiling quickly if i if i'm the only one doing it I love what you just said there. Have you ever said that before? Collecting a hand of bad aces and bad meaning like good, like badass. Can I paraphrase here? Yeah, I don't know if I've said it, but um, yeah. But you – God, that is so good, man. Like I, it, it, if you and, – and so you've had it added some really key hires in the last mm-hmm. year. And so you've got your – and I know, I know we bounced around a ton here, uh, listeners, but you've got your syndication business – which you caught traction with, you partnered with Colin in, you uh, hired some really key people, you have in-house property management yeah. uh, that manages all of your in-town assets, you hired an external property management company and then started your own, mm-hmm. and you also formed, what? so title company, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a hard money lending business. Uh, what else are we missing? Is there is Does that encompass most of it? There's a local property management company, it's a third party, pro- there's a local... Property management company is a third party property management company. There's a title company. There's a hard money lending company. There's a construction company, and there's a, a syndication company. And that construction company was somebody that we had in a previous recording, Brad Clark, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and r- really, it's just um, uh, the, the joke of having to be control freak. Sure, but if you have the opportunity to buy things for investors, but also control a little bit of the construction company. It is so much easier to um, change things within a company if you own it than if you were to say, hey, uh, you're managing this property of 500 units for me and I want to fire you as a property manager. If you don't own the company, there's no replacement. So it's really nice to have a little bit of control but still trust those individuals. Yeah. I So – you're collecting aces. How do you go about doing that in your oh, local market? I love market? how you said that, collecting aces. Yeah. Like, and, and you have I've, – I've watched over the last several years that you have hired some really key people, like workhorses. But you've also – And like stake, stakeholders. But you also associate yourself around aces. I mean, right. Like, but how does that happen? I mean – I mean, look at the look at the relationship you have here with Owen. Yeah. I mean, he's an ace in your corner, right? Yeah. No question. Yes. He hates I, it when I did it. When I, I, do I hate admitting it. No, I want. I wanted yeah. to see his reaction. No, uh, of course it is, man. Yeah. There's no <clears throat> through partnerships. You will learn and you will move forward. And some partnerships will work out. Some partnerships won't. And you'll continue to grow businesses. And things will kind of fizzle out in some areas, but things will grow very strong in other areas. And like rewinding all the way back 17 hours ago when we started this podcast, when I started <laughs> when I started learning that holy cow, I'm at a ceiling, which I should have known in you know when I the whole stupid uh, attorney award story is that me and my dad only get so much done. Me and my dad and Colin, me and my dad and Colin and that one fan member who lent me money. Like 
slowly I've learned there's just ceiling so quickly. You can never get to where you want to get to unless you start relying on people. And sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Uh, imagine this is this is ridiculous to rewind to, to talk about Apple, but like I can't imagine the number of people who've been hired and fired at Apple. And I look at how successful they are, Tesla or whatever. But you just got to learn that way and feel comfortable and start letting go of the reins. And so, yes, we have collected aces. We've also uh, learned that some of the people weren't aces that we thought, and that's fine. It's just a different thought process. And there's no way you get to where you want to be unless you take a little weight off your shoulders and trust people who are better at things than you are. Now, you have uh, your your business partner, Colin, does a lot of the oversight of your property management company. Mm -hmm. Is that true? That's correct. And he does a lot of the hiring and, and the reporting structure mostly ends up through him. Is that fair to say? Yes. So wh what does he do in that? Like, how do you guys divvy up your partnership responsibilities? So you ha you've grown. So listeners, for those of you that don't know, Colin and uh, uh, Colin Schwartz and Chris Pomerleau, they have, I mean, they have a phenomenal business and multiple businesses, but they have over 2,400 um, units. They've got an in-house property management team, as we've described. But there's a lot of people that come with that. I mean, there's just no joke having that many units under under asset management and in multiple states. And how do you handle like maybe you could describe briefly what your uh, individual responsibilities are in oversight? So for better or for worse, it's not like we have some type of black and white written out. This is your role. This is my role. Uh, we certainly overlap in many areas. Like uh, I have relationships with investors. Colin has relationship with investors. Um, Colin's a figurehead on the meetup and some different podcasts. And he's a coach for the Jake and Gino community of Wheelbarrow Profits. Um, and, and I'm leading a different number of other things as far as strategy and investments or not. So there's not necessarily a distinction, but I can say that uh, one of the benefits that we had is like there was some there was a joke made earlier, but I don't know if it was recorded or not. Is that you email me for better or for worse, I will respond the same day, maybe in the next ten minutes. You email Colin, he respond maybe in ten days or thirteen days, and so we I lucked out finding a partner who was good at things that I wasn't. And if I haven't already regurgitated that same phrase a million times about surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, that's exactly why Colin and I have consistently and continue to work out is that Colin's very good at A, B, and C. I'm very good at D, E, and F, and we continue to polish that. So what issues have you guys had in your partnership? I mean, everything isn't like roses, right? No. Like there was obviously some trials and tribulations. I've heard about them just from- Between Colin and I? Between, you know, through friendships. But yeah. what, can you just talk about the things that you guys had to work through? Yeah. And what advice you could give somebody else that's creating a partnership? Uh, B- so it's important to speak with people who you're about to partner. Make sure that their end goal is the same. Again, I can go through a million people I've partnered with. No, obviously not. I can go through a number of people I've partnered with. The great thing about real estate is that each investment is different. But what challenges have you two had? Things at, that you guys butted head on that you were through. Uh, at for, for, The good thing is that luckily I found someone who's able to – what I appreciate is tough love. Okay, so I don't like beating around the bush. I, I just want to like you want bluntness. I, I I have to have bluntness. In fact, I'm that weirdo who will approach you on a Thursday afternoon and say, "What are three good things I'm good at? What are three things I'm bad at?" Because 
I'm successfully trying to be better and I don't like beating on the bush. And Colin's the same way. So we can get in arguments or, or whatever, but like it, the purpose of the argument is to better the situation as opposed to just be finicky or or just fight about things. non-committal. So, what were some of the first arguments you guys had? Well, some of the good things that we started with is that uh, let's partner, let's go out and start to buy things. How are we going to divide these things? I mean, on, on the on the seventh deal, Colin, you found the property and you brought twenty percent of the money. Well, I had all the relationships. I underwrote it. I walked it. I found eighty percent of the property. Like. What's the? I got the financing lined I up. The I financing. found the insurance. What's the arrangement with how the profits are distributed and all that stuff? And at first, we tried to do this grand scheme, mathematical, beautiful mind, Russell Crowe thing about who gets what. And it's like, really, if you're, if this is a one-time thing, maybe that conversation is necessary. The conversation is always necessary, but the the definitive or the final answer may not be necessary if the end goal is to work towards 30 years of these decisions. And we realized quickly, you're good at this. I'm good at this. Let's stop counting. It's very obvious, Colin, you do this and it's awesome. I do this and it's awesome. And we're giving us energy we're, we're volunteering and giving ourselves equally, whether it's this, that, or the mm-hmm. other. And the fact that we're giving ourselves equally to the end goal, let's just stop counting and let's just agree on 50-50. And that's why it's worked for us. So that was a resolution. That was a resolution. How, how far into it were you? Not point? long. Yeah. Six, eight, ten months. Oh, I mean, really, though. In Very the, quickly. But six, eight, ten months, you guys probably had at least a couple hundred units. We did. Yeah, I mean we, that. I mean, it, we did. Th- you guys had a lot going on before then. So uh, what we did was we, we did fifty fifty right away. Yeah. So we never had that whole let's count percentages things, but we were having that conversation. Which blunt there was conflicts because you guys both felt like you were putting more into different things. Never a conflict, but we had the we had the ability to have the conversations simultaneously as the other things just going on fifty fifty, knowing that the the beauty about real estate is that the next deal we can just change the percentages. Well, the reason I ask is because you know when we interview. Colin, uh, you know, he he was blunt and kind of talked about how you guys you guys had some conflicts in the beginning yeah. of this relationship, which I love that the fact yeah. that he was open about that, yeah, and that you guys had to figure some stuff out, and yeah, and that you got and it was almost to a point where you guys were, it was to your detriment, but you guys came together and you guys created this monster, and yeah. I th- and I think that the, our listeners right now could really grow from that. Can can you give a little more insight into that? Love to. Really, what I mean is, as long as that end goal is the same. So you can call it a detriment, but there are things to work through every day. But if you know it's that a your goal, thir- it's a relationship, just like a marriage. Things things totally. are going to happen. Yeah. Can you get through every single thing that's happening? So the detriments were... Uh, we the best our- relationships in the best partnerships go through this. So much to work through. Totally. So much to work through. And that's why you can look at your parents if they're still together or the long-term relationships. It's like they could tell you years of hard things to work through. Mm-hmm. It was not always peaches and roses or whatever, butterflies and rainbows. Like it there are things peaches and roses, I like them both. There are things to work <laughs> through, but if you there are things to work through, but as you work through them it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so that couple you see, I, mean, I just saw this TikTok the other day of this couple kissing each other in the hospital, things in their nose, they're both dying. Literally died within hours. And this, like, you know, they could barely touch each other. 
And the kiss they gave each other was like the most emotional thing I've ever seen. Rewind 70 years. They probably got in a fight about who did the dishes. Like stupid things that you have to get through. And the benefit Mm. of what Colin and I learned was that where do we want to be? Colin, I want to be kissing you on our deathbed. Okay? Can we just soundbite this and put it in the the intro? That was a joke. It wasn't a joke. Uh, You guys love each other. The joke is I want to be there. I don't want to worry about what happens here. I want to be there. You want to be Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Exactly. They're so different. And just like those two, but everyone knows Buffett. A lot of people know Munger. Everybody knows Buffett. Well, everybody knows Colin. Mm. I'm not saying that. So you're I'm, Charlie. I'm not Charlie. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but everyone knows Buffett. Well, it, it depends on what format you go at because because Colin doesn't get on all the podcasts. I mean, he did get I, on but, bigger pockets. The, the point of that he is did that get on bigger pockets. We have an end goal. <laughs> So let's let's certainly maybe radio edit the fact that I just drew a parallel between Charlie Munger and uh, Warren Buffett and Colin Schwartz, Chris Pollan. What I'm saying is everyone has different roles. And as long as we say when we're 90, we want to be doing this, let's just get through that. And so we learned it very quickly. It's like, I can't do – I'm not going to pull out my calculator every time I do a deal. Like, this is a joke. Do we agree? And the, the biggest thing that I've learned is will they put in the same amount of energy as me? Your, yep. part, your partnership is respected on many levels. I mean, it's respected in our network. But it's not just me and Colin. It's really every partnership you get into. Am I going to do everything? If I'm going to do everything, this 50-50 thing is not going to work out. So I, I'm going to make um, an observation with this in that you are you and the people that I've seen you surround yourself with in partnerships are equally committed to success in whatever that partnership goal is. That would be my hope that it happens very quickly. Yeah, and it and it's that's not like an easy it, it's not like you can just go out and Avengers assemble. We're going to create a kick-ass partnership and even though Hawkeye you can only shoot arrows, but we still appreciate you your your own series. Um <laughs> you can still succeed in a partnership even though you're not doing the exact same things as other people that are in it. You can contribute sweat equity, you can contribute money and nothing else. You can contribute know-how and expertise in the legal aspects and insurance and banking and all of those relationships. There's, but you need to contribute and you need to be available yes. and you need to, uh, you need to be all in on your agreement with your partners because it is like a marriage. It it really is. It's a business marriage, and so I like I I appreciate that about you and like the partners that that we have in our businesses, but it's not. Not common, I wouldn't say, and it's not like everybody has this. So um, would you mind maybe describing what a good partnership is not? Uh, okay. So uh, w- what I would say is that the, the benefits of real estate or if you structure a, a whatever business you're in is that you can make it short term. I'm not saying your goal should be short term, but the beautiful thing about me buying my first 15 unit with person A, B, and C is that if it doesn't work out and I feel like I put in 90% and they put in 10% is I just, I just don't buy the next thing with them. Yeah. And I learned that the, the, the actual business plan still worked. I had to dedicate a little more time, but those are easy things and somewhat uh, a little more uh, relating to, to, to real estate. So what I would suggest to your question is If you're going to form a partnership, one of the more important things is to sit down and know, and I've learned this the hard way, what is your end goal? What do you expect to give to this partnership? And make sure those align. 
Because whether it's calling a me working 90 hours a week or whether it's literally an investor who calls me randomly from Scandinavia and says, uh, which is literal, uh, actually Nova, Nova Scotia. So I shouldn't say Scandinavia, Nova Scotia, uh, calling me and saying, do I want to invest in your deal? We need to make sure our interests are aligned. If he thinks I'm flipping an apartment in two years and I'm going to sell it and then he will get a larger profit in two years, that's a bad partnership because my partnership is I'm going to refinance it in three years. You'll get all your money back, but you'll keep owning real estate. So it's important in that call that's an hour or 30 minutes, the same as a call or a sit down with a future partner. What do you want to do with this? Are we both saying none of us know anything, so let's just throw throw it at the wall and see what sticks on this duplex? Then do it. But if your goal is to do A, B, and C, make sure you're aligned so you're not surprised when something different happens. Okay, let's pause right here because I wanted to say right now that, that I think that this is probably one of the best podcasts we've ever had. And, and also – Take that, Colin. And also one of the longest podcasts we've ever had. And we and, and there's a few things that a few questions that we have in our podcast that we really want to get into yeah. in here, okay? Fair enough. So Chris, <clears throat> you you're running twenty four hundred units, you have multiple businesses as we've already established. But I need to know what how do you how do you balance the work life family life? You have two young children at what ages? In two, na- names and ages, please. Yeah, great. Uh, Zayden is my son. He's two years old. And Sanaya is my daughter. She just turned four. Okay. And how do you balance that? Like, how do you – do you time block how, with everything you got going on, which is a lot? Like, what do you do? I'm working on getting better. But what do you do now? Um, we are, we're all working. Take, he, take, he takes phone calls from Hawaii. At 3 a.m. At, at 3 a.m. Uh, to uh, talk about stuff. In, in, in like – and just give you an example, yeah. and, and our listeners have heard this numerous times. Like you, if you call me right now, my my voicemail says five to eight. I'm not answering your phone call. This is my family time. Hmm. That, that's my thing. That's great. And and Owen has his thing, but what's your thing? Well, I'm working on that, Ted. Thank you for calling me out. If my wife listens to this, because whatever I'm working on is not perfected. That's for dang sure. What I do like, we're to all do, working in progress. What I like to do is around five or five thirty. I do like to try. And set my phone someplace else, else, so I don't have to look at it. Because if I see it, I'm, I, I have trouble controlling that. Uh, I'll set it someplace, someplace else, so that I can have dinner and relax with my kids. Because oftentimes the, it's the first time I've seen my kids that day. Um, I've started waking up earlier, so I do have the benefit of working from home now. Uh, so I do get a, a chance to be a part of maybe taking my daughter to school or whatever. But that's because I've gotten in uh, two, three hours of work before she is ready to go. The goal would be to not have to wake up at five and and stop working or start working at eight to 10 at at PM. But it has been a slow progression. That is not the perfect way to go. Uh, We've been super successful, but my suggestion to myself three years ago, just like my suggestion to myself when I bought my first thing without my father is that stop doing everything yourself, give up more of the pie so that you can not only grow your business quicker, but mentally stay okay. I'm lucky that my wife and my kids are okay now. Like there are some people, seriously, I have worked so much. It's not a pat on the back, but like I've gone through so much that I couldn't necessarily, not everybody in my position would be lucky enough to have a family and a wife who would stick around you. So I'm lucky to have that stuff. My goal is to say, give up a little bit now so that very near future, you can get way more than you ever dreamed of. 
Chris, so you've got uh, two young kids at home, and you're obviously a driven guy, and you've got an awesome wife who's been supportive. What what are you going to do with this? What like what's the end game? So I know uh, early on when I when I first met Colin, he mentioned that like a thousand units that was the goal. It was just like you know BHAG uh, goal that he threw out there, and then you entered the picture, and then it's stayed the same and then it kind of changed and like what is it is it unit size is it like what what are you guys working toward and is there an end game where you're like peace out i'm going to like retire in orlando or like what, yeah, that's what's awesome never orlando but i i feel you <laughs> uh um i'm glad to hear bring that up because goals change and certainly what i've learned is and ted brought up earlier i had said one time my goal is ten thousand units now certainly i want our business to be big enough to handle ten thousand units however if my investors are more successful at 7,000 units because I sold a, a C class in Wichita and rolled it into an A class in, in Dallas and they're all doing better. But because I sold one, I lost a little bit or, you know, what I, I would rather have my business functioning on all wheels, if you will, so that my investors are doing well because unselfishly and or selfishly, if my investors are doing well, then my business is doing well. So I no longer have that 10,000 door goal. I find it hard to believe that the the number of uh, doors won't grow if we keep buying more, but I'm not going to hold on to my first 15 units because it was my first 15 unit. If those investors do better moving into 115 unit, that's what I want to do. What I'd like to do is educate people enough to where this is not a me versus the market thing, the market being the stock market. My goal is to have people diversify into real estate and understand that real estate can provide things they had no idea was possible, have people trust me and actually have me perform on those promises or projections. So what is, what's the long-term play? You, you get to seven or 10,000 units, you know, obviously I, what, what's the best way to wear this? What is your generational wealth plan? Do you have plans for your children? Do you do you mm. want to get your kids involved? Yeah. If so, how will your kids be involved? What, how will you dividend this up to your to to your next generation? Ted's full circle on this seventeen hour podcast. What I like about that is I taught you that my father taught me and my mother too uh, the importance of hard work. So I feel as though I have the hard work. My goal is to try to build generational wealth, but at the same time instill in my children and my grandchildren that there is hard work, but there's also um, uh, the, the the need to earn what you've got, where, where you've gotten to. But how do you instill that? Um, hmm. Or how have you started well, installing it? Well, without going to personal and like legal documents and how my trust is set up, uh, I can tell you that it's going to be important to me that I teach my children the importance of time versus uh, money. So um, you can work a bunch and make some money, or you can learn how to be smart with your time and make more money, like real estate. If I can make passive income, then I can make passive income and not even be a part of it. Now, I'm active on everything that I do, but all of my investors are passive. And there's, a, there's a point where I could flip that switch if I wanted to and be 100% passive. So I want to teach my children about the importance of long-term wealth and you don't have to trade your time for money. But I still need to instill into my children the importance of working hard. So when my kids hit five, I don't mind them swinging by one of my apartments uh, that we own nearby and having them vacuum the hallways. Now, do they have to? 
And when I pay them, yes, they have to. Dang right they do. <laughs> and through the IRS, when I use that payment as a slight write-off, do they have to do that? No. But do they understand that it can't just be a trust fund baby and wake up and do nothing and just watch TV all day? That's never going to be something I want my kids to do because my parents instilled me the importance of you better work your ass off if you want to get anywhere. One of our top viewed podcasts was Ryan Basie. I don't know if you know Ryan Basie. I know, yeah. You should listen to his podcast. He had great advice on, on how to get your kids involved in the tax benefits of, of getting involved. Well, that's certainly there. Yeah, and I, I promise you, like, I don't mean to sound like – a jerk when Just saying sound like it. the amount. Okay, I'll tell you the max on the write off for kids. I forgot five thousand sixty five hundred. With all due respect, if I go out and buy a twenty five million dollar property right now, I'll get like a hundred and seventy thousand dollars in write offs. You know, whatever. So five thousand dollars to my kids in write offs is not really something that's important to me. It's more making them go through the steps to say life's not going to be handed to you. You want to be good, do A, B, and C. And my goal is to teach them not only how to be entrepreneurial and build businesses, and if they don't want to be a part of it, so like real estate, they don't have to be, but I want them to know the the importance of working hard. I tell you what, my my philosophy has personally changed. Like I, When we started this podcast a year ago, my mentality was I'm a, I'm a – you know, I have a cat house. I'm a, I named a it a cat house. You have a cat house. Yeah, I have a cat house, and I named it the Carson House, and uh, and that was the house I was going to get my son turn eighteen. But nice. my mentality has changed a little bit, and now I'm to a point where I'm like, you know what? You got to work for that property. You have to manage it. For, you know, starting as soon as you possibly can, Love fiscally it. manage it, and you're going to have to maintain all the property. And at that point, you can buy that from me at a discounted rate, and that will be your property. Love and, it. And the, but initially, I was just going to give it to him. But I don't think that's the right way. And I've learned that because we adapt and change as we learn, right? That, well, that's the Brandon Turner thing, right? Brandon Turner always used to say, yeah. bigger pockets. I'm going to have this. He bought a fourplex for. Be my kid's yeah. college tuition. Like, we have built these businesses now where we can make more money on something other than a single family home. But that that process, that thought process is where it's at. But if you just give it to them, they're not, they're not learning 100%. anything. 100%. But if they if you let them buy it from you, maybe he, they buy it from, maybe Carson buys that house for me if I still have it yeah. for the price that I have it, you know. And I approached Carson because I was looking at selling that property potentially, or you know, sometime soon. And I'm like, and they and I approached him I'm like, hey man, this is the Carson house. And I go, but I'm thinking about selling. And he goes, well, tell me what you're gonna sell it for, and what kind of profit you make, and then what are you gonna do with Your it? Son said that, yeah. Whoa. He listens to this podcast. You. He works this podcast, you. and then he, at the end of it, he goes, you know what? I I agree with that sale. He offered you seller financing starting at age seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I think we adapt. The, I mean, and I don't think it is the right thing to just give. Well, no I, way. earn. I, I no have so I have I have a like thought on this. My thought is, I I have the same thing. So I have a couple of apartment complexes that I bought, and uh, I named them after my girls. Right. And okay, so here's here's my thought on this. So I think in general, when parents that have experienced success in real estate investing or another business and they want to buy a property, it's a symbolic gesture that gives them validation for all the hard work they put in and wants to um, they they want to show that they are giving something to their family. Would would you guys agree with this? Yes, yes. I, I think that's symbolic. And I don't think it's wrong necessarily, but I I think if you're really looking back at this with the eyes of the person receiving it, they're not going to appreciate everything that you put into that and all the things involved if it's just handed to them, to your point. 
So if you sign over a deed to your child when they turn age 18 for something that you worked your ass off and you sacrificed family time and everything else, and you're like, see, see what this did for you? And they're like, sweet, I get a fourplex. I can, you know what I mean? They're not going to appreciate it. But I think if you incorporate them into aspects of the business that they don't understand and you can show them, these are all the things involved in creating wealth. It's not just you have a property. Right. So why didn't you school me on this like a year ago when I started talking about this? Everybody's got their own thing, man. Yeah. Like there's no there's no you know it's true, answer. Though. There's that saying that from wealth providers or wealth pla- financial planners or CPAs that like you will lose the family most likely will lose its wealth in three generations. Yes. Yeah. The third yeah, that's exactly right. You work yeah. your ass off and then you hand it to your kid who doesn't know what the hell they're doing, but they're still loaded. And then they hand it to the third generation who has no, no idea, idea where it came from, and they blow it. That's why yeah. you earn it. And the goal is to make sure you're taking them along to vacuum the hallways, to negotiate seller financing with their dad at age seven or whatever, nine. <laughs> my kids are uh, – my, my yeah, my son's about to turn nine, yeah. and uh, my daughter's five. Yeah. So it's important to continue that. And the, you, that's full circle to what you asked. That's what I want to do is teach them why and how and why this is beneficial for everybody. Yeah. Hey, we're really coming to the end of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. All right. I love the smile that you had. I've never made it to overtime before because we were always winning when the the clock went out. All right. (laughs) All right, Chris. So in this section, we like to cover the same five questions that we ask every guest. Mm -hmm. And uh, let us know what you got. They're rapid fire. You ready? Ready. Let's do this. All right. First question for you. How were you able to change your mindset to get started in real estate investing in the first place? Rich dad, poor dad. I hate saying it. It's on every podcast, but it's a way to get out of the mold of thinking that we were taught in school. Did you read any follow-up books after that? Were you like, oh my God, this guy's awesome. And did you go down the like cash flow quadrant and all that? Or was was it strictly the first book? I did. I read two or three other books. Yeah. I think it was like eight or others. I, I read those. I started getting to others. And I promised that entire time I was looking in through podcasts and whatever to figure out the best way to roll. But that is certainly what opened my mind. Awesome. I hate that answer because it's the answer everybody gives. No. But it's I, the purple Bible. So This is one I don't know the answer to, but what kind of hobbies uh, or passions do you have? It used to be uh, working out and... Um, Which I invited you to the gym because we live about five minutes from each other. You did. Yeah. You did. But I didn't have to be at the gym because I'm so in shape. So I'll just come to your gym. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I have a great gym at my house that collects dust. Uh, honestly, the this is a weird thing to say, but I, I've, I'm always asked that question. I do play the guitar. I love playing the guitar. If I ever had the opportunity... Yeah, Owen, oh, you didn't know that, did you? I did not what's know your, that. What's, what's your favorite song to play Here's the funny thing. I used to actually... was I was uh, with my roommate, Andre Vandervelde. He's actually, he lives in Council Bluffs. He plays at a number of coffee shops and... Uh, places around town, in fact, some concerts. He's actually very, he's very talented. He was in college. I went to Augustana with him. Him and I had a duo of guitars. We had, we made a CD and everything. It was so much fun. Uh, now, of course, that was like 20 years ago or whatever that is. So obviously I'm not in, making CDs anymore. I play the guitar and sing. So every once in a while, if my wife finds the opportunity to go out and meet some friends some night, I'm in the basement after my kids go to bed playing the guitar. You know what? I'm, I just want to invite you and your wife over, and okay. we have a bonfire outside. Maybe sit along the pool, 
and you just play. You play just, the to serenade play. you guys. Yeah, because uh, one of my favorite things is I, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I've chaperoned over twenty youth trips in my church. No idea. And uh, and then we had this guy named Stu Stofferin that was uh, the youth leader at the time, and he used to bring his guitar at all the events. And every uh, every time we did a a uh, charity tour thing that we did for the church. He brought his guitar and he just strummed along at the bonfire and it's just one of my favorite things. No, that's great. I mean, I haven't, I haven't played a lot of bonfires lately, but I can tell you that that's certainly my, one of my patterns. And this is, a, this is a weird answer. I don't know if it's been given before. Is like, But this camaraderie, team, social thing, I'm not going to say it's a hobby, but I strive for it. Okay, one question. What's your favorite jam session? What's your one song you love playing on the guitar? Third Eye Blind. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to riff off some lyrics to you. I don't know. You know what? When I learned the guitar, I learned self-taught by playing Nirvana songs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Actually, that. that's the only I can. That's the only intro I like, can play. Come as you is, are. Or no, it's like a, Spirit. Or? No, it's um. Uh, come as you are. Come as you are. Yeah. That's the only intro I can play that intro, or I used to be able to. But yeah. I can play every. Can you still do it? Like uh, if you had a guitar in your hand right now, because you I do play it? once. A year. You know he's a musician, right? Oh well, I mean this is. I feel like this is a. G- this is how bands are born. I can <laughs> I can play all the Nirvana songs. You know we need the, the camaraderie thing. That's not a hobby, but like I yearn to be amongst others who are motivated and just like have that social aspect to accomplish something. I know that's a weird answer, but like that's why I, that's why I missed college football. That's why I love the military. That's why I love being a part of offices and, and good relationships. Is I, I really like that social aspect. What's your favorite podcast or podcasts? Mm. Like, what's the single podcast you listen to more episodes than anything else? Oh, uh, when when I started, it was Bigger Pockets. I don't, I haven't listened to Bigger Pockets in like three or four years. Uh, but I was trying to figure out every aspect of real estate. So, Bigger Pockets is pretty good. Wheelbarrow Profits kind of got me into that whole apartment thing. Um, and now I don't even listen to podcasts anymore. I listen to YouTube, and like I'll just be driving and I'll listen to YouTube snippets of eight or nine. Like minutes. Ariana Grande or love Ariana. <laughs> no, Rhea, Rhea Radio on, on YouTube TV. Uh, I'm a huge fan of these people named Ted Noen who, uh, <laughs> but I, I love them all. But I, I try to listen to as many YouTube's. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts anymore. So sorry, that's something I answer you want. But no, no, it's good. I certainly listen to you guys, but that's because of some social stuff that comes across my social. I'll listen to you because I know you, but I don't go like to iTunes and listen to stuff anymore. I get it. Well, let me flip this question a little bit. You got you run across somebody new and they want to get into syndications. Is there a specific uh, book that you'd recommend to that person? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, <laughs> I, I would suggest some like random things like uh, The Richest Man in Babylon or something oh, like that. Good book. Um, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Napoleon I, Hill. I, Napoleon Hill. I, these are things that people have said before, but there's probably a reason there's a theme here. Is that I've actually read – I've, I've, I've had those on my, on my Amazon list in the last two – uh, this last year, I've listened to both those. The reason those type of things are important is it brings you out of this box you were taught since you were four that put my head down, work nine to five, work my tush off. There's a cap. I do what I say. I like do what I'm told. Like those books tell you there's so much more out there. And that's why I don't know if there'll be another book again that offers that because those were some recent things that opened people's minds. Mm, love that. So is there anything you're looking for in your businesses right now? that if someone's listening to this podcast might be able to help you with, whether that's some a key hire 
yeah. uh, a type of property, um, just uh, general help and your appearance or well-being. I need um, help. I need help in my appearance. Any, any of them, any of those things. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, what I say when I've talked about partnerships, I sincerely mean this. Like one of the ways someone could partner with us is if they brought us a deal off market. It, it takes no money to find a deal off market. If you brought me a 30 unit somewhere, especially locally, and you found it off market, we have no problem in giving you a piece of the pie to be a part of that general partnership or whatever, because you found it. So I would just, uh, I would enlighten people to think about ways to, to add value to any situation. Maybe you have a rich uncle. Maybe you are that third generation trust fund baby and you have money to someone can loan. That would, that's how you get yourself into the real estate game is just add value. So maybe you could swing a hammer very well. That's what I suggest. Now, if you just want to like be passive and you're a doctor or an engineer or whatever, and you just want to like give money and go to your engineer thing, but you want to make some money, I would, I would offer you a suggestion to invest in our hard money company or our real estate company because it allows you to make money in a different sector, but also be passive. There's an area that on this podcast where we like to push out shout outs. Is there people that have uh, been impressionable on your life? currently or in the past that you'd like to give shout outs to? Yeah, I mean, shout out to my parents. I've already done this. I sincerely mean that. I feel like that hard work ethic was important. And, you know, none of us came from like, I, I was not third generation. I wasn't second generation. Uh, so I, I, I certainly... Self-made. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like that phrase. But I love that. I love that phrase. I love the phrase because it's legitimate. I dislike it if it's abused. And what I mean by that is I'm not self-made. There's no question that I'm to a point financially where my the generations before me weren't. Chris, you're self-made. But I wouldn't be there without some different things. Some people hand money to their kids. Some people instill work ethic. And so I think I've been blessed with a good social uh, – caring about people. You've had good you've had good people around you, man, but you're, so, you're self-made. Yeah. Well, I mean I appreciate you saying but I hope you hear what I'm saying too. But I appreciate I you saying that. I certainly wasn't handed the golden geese, if, if I was trying to say. Uh, Ted, we already talked about how uh, you had certainly helped a, a lot of that, uh, the first few deals I did, because you offered more than just saying, I am a real estate agent. Here is something on the MLS. I know nothing about real estate. Can I make your commission? You offered way more about, oh, I know what I'm talking about. And I said, sincer- I've, I've thanked you on you, you, you have, and you've made me blush but numerous I mean times. So but I you. mean that. Uh, I thank Owen for opening up some eyes, and I'm not just p- patting this podcast because I'll see you later or not. But like, I sincerely mean that because you've opened my eyes to different things and brought we, you've brought me in on some deals you've had. Uh, we've grown a hard money business that not only benefits us personally, but also has benefited us in our businesses. We, we've utilized it. But you've also, you've also yeah. grown other people. Grown other people, benefited other people, our parents, our family, we have investors. That has been the coolest thing of all, out of all of this. I got to tell you, for me, just just your guys' hard money lending company, I mean, all but one of my properties, I've used you guys on that. Yeah, and we love that. That is the. I love it. I don't, I've grown myself, I've grown my personal. Uh, brand because of your guys' her money. But I'm glad to hear they said that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm glad to hear you said because it's so funny. We have conversations with banks or like random people that are like, 18%, you guys are robbers. Like, (laughs) no, like, listen, we're not, uh, I said it earlier, these aren't 30 year mortgages. Like, these are an opportunity to use them strategically and buy things that you can invest in. There's no way you buy. And flip a house in 70 days without something like that. Then what you guys need to do is you need to bring somebody in that can actually describe what I'm talking about. And I will describe all my businesses that I've created because of you guys. 
and we'll put it on paper. And I'm not a good guy to tie it up because I'm, you know, I'm not really analytical and put it all out like that. But you bring somebody in, I'll explain what I, what you guys do my business, and you guys use that as as a resource for for building that. And I appreciate you saying that. Even our investors, though, you have a large chunk, and you're like, I don't know, I. Uh, I saw that apartment you're investing in in Texas or in Sioux Falls, and I like it, but what if the economy and you're all worried? We've had investors write really large checks to our hard money company, and they just make 9% or 10% or whatever every single month, and they don't have to worry about anything, and they're benefiting as well, including family members. Well, I'm going to tell you what. All of our family members. I'm going to tell, well, tell you guys right now, there will be a day that I'm investing in your hard money business. Not well, love to hear that. We appreciate that. So. I, I have myself. Okay. Any shout-outs you want to give? Uh, I mean, obviously, Colin, you know, I appreciate that he's good at things that I'm not. He's terrible at email. He's terrible at all that stuff, but he's great Vouch. at a lot of things. Uh, well, he knows that. Uh, my, my my family, uh, my wife. I, so I feel like I'm thanking people I have over the last 13 hours, but like my wife, there's no way I get there. Uh, my boss uh, at my law office that I'm no longer a part of, I'm affiliated with, David Crumb. There's no way that I had that flexibility to do these things if I still was at that national chain. I had to show up and clock in at eight and do a bunch of weird things that doesn't really even matter. And he allowed me to say, if you get this done, then you're okay. That's all that matters. So that allowed me to get into things, family, uh, parents, wife, um, and you two for having me. Aw. Thanks, buddy. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Chris, this is the officially the longest podcast we've ever had. And the best. <laughs> <laughs> probably one of the best podcasts we've ever uh, had. I mean, probably. the content and the knowledge. and the, I mean, we didn't even get into our standard uh, yeah. Questions that we like to ask Sorry. because because the content was so good and yeah. I think that the listeners are get so much out of this. Good. Um, as a friend and a colleague, um, I thank you so much for this. Thank you. Uh, you came out on the fly. We really wanted to make this the episode fifty. We thought that there was a lot to be here and a lot of content. I look forward to having you back multiple times over the next coming years as this podcast keeps on growing. Thanks, man. Um, Appreciate that. I'm, I'm very impressed personally with the growth that you've done and where you've gone with yourself and the things that you've done with your friends and family. And I, I'm just, I'm just proud of you. Thanks man. I appreciate that. uh, Hardly. If you are listening to the first time or the 50th time and you're listening to us for two hours and uh, 90 <laughs> minutes right now. <laughs> Which would actually be three hours. I, yeah, I, I, that, that was a funny part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we appreciate you. And I, there is a review that um, we, we would like to give a shout out to because we, we tried to read a review whenever we got one. Uh, we had a podcast or we had a podcast review from CK Wannabe. Okay. And he says, the content is great and interview style is very intuitive. Uh, being a Midwesterner, too, I really appreciate the local flair that you guys give. Uh, we try to push it out to a national audience, but we do obviously are, are we're, we're from Omaha. You know, we're we're the Midwesterners. Keep it here. real. Back to the roots. Yeah, as we, Some of us are from Malvern. But. <laughs> but we appreciate you, CK. Thank you so much. CK just happens to be initials of my son, so I'm just going to say maybe it's Carson Koch. And Christopher Keith. That's my middle initial. So there, oh, you, there go. you go, buddy. Big oh, time. Uh, so with that, um, I you know, before I give this over to Owen, I just want to say everybody listening to us right now, Owen and I, and I'm speaking on his behalf, uh, and Denless. Uh, so Dennis, not trying to not give you credit here, buddy, but this is a passion that we guys ha- we have, and we have our own take on our our podcast. Our 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 podcast is something where we like to dig deep into people, figure out a little bit more beyond the investing. You know, this is a long podcast, and we understand that, and this is what who we are. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate everything you do. We appreciate our listeners. 
Um, and 50 episodes in, uh, you guys are still listening, and our, our, our growth is keep, keeps on going. They haven't pulled the plug yet. They haven't pulled the plug yet. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you guys very much. We appreciate you guys listening to us. And uh, we hope that we can do years of content here and that this uh, relationship can keep on going. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Denless. And obviously, Owen, the, the voice of the podcast, thank you. <laughs> and with that, Owen Dasher and us out. On behalf of Denless Bertrand... Ted Kosh, Rhea Radio. I'm Owen Dashner. You've been listening to Chris the Peacock Palmerloo. All right. All right. Signing off. Or I had the closet guitarist, but I didn't know which would play better there. (laughs) That was perfect. I had alliteration there, too. Peacock Palmerloo. The Peacock.